Hello, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Let the Kids Play Sports Podcast, the podcast that gets my perspective on sports. I'm Derek. Across the way is my dad, Scott. How you doing today? Well, doing good. Excited to talk some more sports with you. Well, today we've got a basketball episode as we get to the end of the winter sports season. We got some NBA talk and a little bit on the March Madness Final Four. Well, here we go. Here in Wisconsin, though, it looks like they don't want these winter sports to end. We got hit with more snow. Yeah, that's right. We woke up this morning, a couple more inches falling overnight. Uh, not quite the, the the foot of snow that they had said we might get, but I don't think anybody's that disappointed in, in the fact we didn't get a foot of snow. But uh, it, it still very much is winter sports season in the eyes of Mother Nature because baseball, softball, things like track and field, all of those get delayed while you have to wait for the snow to melt. Yep, we're going to have a snow delay. My baseball season begins not too long from now, so we've been training outside, and now that's going to have to get pushed back again a little bit because of the snow on the ground. Well, I should say, yeah, there is a group of people that are very happy about all of this snow. That is the, the plethora of entrepreneurs who have opened up all of these the, these five-and-dime store indoor baseball and softball facilities <laughs> in the last few years. There's a there's a few that are, are very high quality. There's a few that are just shoved into what could, could, could very well... Uh, be leased out to a sub shop in the next week. Uh, they're all happy because you can't get outside to practice your baseball and softball. You got to get inside to get any type of cage time because it's not just the snow, it's also the temperatures that have barely crested above 40 degrees. Yeah, so those are all things that they like, unlike the people that want to get outside and play baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, enough baseball talk. Let's talk some basketball let's start off with the nba we're getting into this time when teams are starting to clinch and you start to see the format of the playoffs start to form let's take the milwaukee bucks for example 55 and 22 a overall a really good season for them they have they're in first in the east have the best record in the NBA, overall, they just seem to have dominated. Yeah, they're part of three teams in the NBA, the, the three teams in the East that appear to be, uh, well, the cream of the crop in the East, at least, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. Uh, we'll get to the West, I'm sure, in just a, just a moment. But uh, right now, as we sit just right now, stepping into April, Many people believe whoever comes out of the East is going to be the NBA champion, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly. And Milwaukee, at least in the regular season, has had the edge, even though they lost a couple of days ago to Boston. Yeah, even with that loss, remember, they were playing Boston, who is right behind them. That could have gone either way. And the thing about the NBA... uh, Unlike, say, the National Hockey League, where you routinely have the lower seeds make a run, in the NBA, typically it's somebody in the top three, maybe top four in the conference. Usually it's one or two that 
go deep into the playoffs. And you look at the East, you don't want to look too far ahead, but after you get past Philadelphia, maybe Cleveland can pluck a, a round or two. But the, the remainder of those teams that you have, New York, Brooklyn, Miami, Atlanta, and so on, uh, those are teams that just aren't quite built for deep runs. They've got one or two main players, whereas the other teams, they've got three, four, five big-time players. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly how I was going to put it. You've got these teams at the top. They've been building up and take the box they've been looking for. Their huge run where they go and win it, but... And now they've got their chance by being the one seed. Let's see what they can do with it. I think they, I think a lot of people will be excited to see if they can make another run like they did a couple of years ago. All right, well, let's go over to the Western Conference where the Minnesota Timberwolves roam. They are sitting at a 500 record of 39-39. and 39. They are now ninth in the West coming off a unfortunate loss to the team that they were leading coming into that game, the L.A. Lakers, losing that one 123-111. to 111. You know, that's a game you're going to want to win. Well, it is. Right now, Minnesota uh, firmly in, well, I don't want to say firmly in, but they're in that play-in round. Right now, remember in the NBA, uh, the top six jump right into the true playoffs, 7, 8, 9, 10 in a conference play in that uh, play-in round mini tournament. Uh, right now, that's where the race is in the West, is really among those teams in that play-in round. Minnesota is ninth. Uh, but they're just uh, one game up in the loss column on Dallas and two games up on Utah uh, to stay in that play-in round. That's one thing about the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Derek, I'll ask you, probably not a lot of Timberwolves fans at school, and, and that has to go with the fact that over the last 20 years, the Timberwolves have not been able to make deep runs into the playoffs and generate that notoriety and generate that prestige they've shown signs of getting traction the last couple of years but uh very important for the overall brand of that franchise to get into the playoffs again yeah when you go to school you see bucks fan after bucks fan and you don't really see any timberwolves fan and like you said it's because of the last 20 years that they really haven't shown that they are able to they're even they're, they're even kind of forgotten by <laughs> by minnesota sports fans uh <laughs> when you think of the timberwolves if if you're my age derek you, you still think of kevin garnett and kevin garnett was not a big time play hasn't been a big time player for the timberwolves in about 25 years though he did return a number of years ago to to wind down his career but when when people my age think of the Timberwolves, we're still thinking of the Kevin Garnett Timberwolves of, of you know, 2 3 and when they were making uh, a deep run to the Western Conference Finals. And when you're my age, you just see failure. And you think about it, uh, we say this a lot when it comes to the Twin Cities. It's only 90 minutes away 
from Eau Claire, it's so much easier to get over there to watch games, especially in the wintertime, to jump over to the Target Center and watch games. But a lot of people just don't ever even consider it as an option because the Timberwolves have not been competitive for so many years. Now, again, they've been making some runs into the into the playoffs more often the last few years, but there hasn't been that consistency. Uh, we'll say this about the NBA. You look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to be one of the top three, at least one of the top two in the East, likely the number one. There's not a lot the last two weeks of the season for them. But for the Timberwolves, they're already in the de facto playoffs just trying to make sure they get in. Yeah, you've got the two closest teams to Eau Claire, and they're both trending in opposite directions. One's going up to the top, the other one's going down to the bottom. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the NCAA March Madness, and boy, oh boy, was it madness this year. It all started with that Furman upset of Virginia, and then things just went to chaos when Princeton took out Ver- took out Arizona, and then it was just mayhem when Fairleigh Dickinson knocked out Purdue, and then everything just was completely messed up. There are no one seeds in the Final Four. In fact, the highest seed in the Final Four is a four seed in the name of UConn. And overall, we're going to have a very fun Final Four. Well, it could it could be fun, but I heard a great thing uh, a few days ago, uh, and maybe more so for for my generation because for you, when I say the term blue blood or established program, you're only eleven. These programs aren't necessarily as established to your day to day, year to year life quite yet. They haven't been seared in the North Carolinas, Dukes, Kentuckys, Kansases, and and all of those. But for people that are a little older, we look at the Final Four and go, it's David versus David. People love a David versus Goliath, but when it's David versus David, you're like, well, 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 well wait a second here. I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at something that is lesser tier. And that's what you've got this Final Four, is that you have all these mid-majors and, and, and UConn that I should take that back. UConn is very much a household name. You're hearing people talk about them not as a blue blood, but UConn very much was for about a 20-year period until maybe you know five, six years ago when they had the, the whole uh, break-off of the Big East and the ACC, and UConn was, was fishing around for conferences before they eventually ended up back in the reconstituted Big East, but all that excitement early in the NCAA, all of those big upsets that everybody enjoys, that I enjoyed, those upsets that allowed uh, Derek, your sister, to win the the bracket in our house before even the second weekend was over because everybody had had everything eliminated. We pay for it later with a Final Four that doesn't have, honestly, any storylines beyond the fact that it's just a bunch of programs that don't typically get 
to the Final Four. It, it, it's just one underdog after another. There's not a lot of great, juicy storylines. So all that excitement early, we pay for it later. It's no different than uh, when, when somebody has one or two extra milkshakes in the evening and wakes up the next morning not ready to go. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this Final Four, the main storyline is underdog makes it to the Final Four. Another underdog makes it to the Final Four. Another underdog makes it to the Final Four. And so forth for UConn. But other than that, it's really just the standard Final Four. Except for the seeds that made it. Are you at all going to be watching any of the games? Uh, anybody at school still talking about it? Because I'm sure that there's no, no nobody's even interested in any brackets at this point. Pretty much all brackets are busted. Uh, yeah, probably nobody's talking about. And that don't uh, don't underestimate that importance towards the the scuttlebutt and the overall enthusiasm for this weekend there's not a lot on the line for people in their various brackets to to tune in and there's a lot of other things that are starting to go on as we hit april including the major league baseball season that has started up and people that are fans of the nba and the nhl or just life uh, they might not have a need to have to tune in to any of the final four games all right well that's some final four for you i want to talk a little bit about the new mlb pitch clock well how about this i'll ask you what are your thoughts on the pitch clock i i i, lo I love it I, I have no problems with it i think any of the concerns people have right now we just have to let it play out it's different it's a change for people but having watched the games, you don't notice it when you're watching the game. You really don't. It's a good pace to the game. There's going to be complaints people are going to have. There's going to be complaints when you go to the game, I think, now. Because when you go to a Major League Baseball game and you invest all that money, you're okay with the game taking three and a half, four hours. And now if the game's going to only take two and a half hours... And when you go to the concession stand like you used to go, you're going to miss more time and, and all of that sort of thing. That sort of stuff will rectify over time. People will get used to that. They'll get used to changes. They'll get used to their patterns. When you watch a game on TV, though, and it's now only taking two and a half hours to two hours and 45 minutes, it's much more manageable. And I think, Derek, for you... And for your generation, now a game that starts at 6 or a game that starts at 7 and you know it's going to be over with before 10 o'clock makes a big, big difference and we'll notice that come the playoffs. Yeah, at the beginning of the game, you really don't notice it as much as until you see the final timeline of the game and it's like 2 hours 30 to 2.45 and, well, it just has that nice flow and, well... I don't know what to say. You, you, we sat and watched the whole Yankees opening game, and you were able just to sit there and watch. There wasn't a lot of the downtime, and you still were able to relax. Uh, this is very much the game. The pace of the game is what it was 20 or so years ago. Okay, they had to. They, you had players taking advantage of the fact there wasn't a clock. So they've put a clock 
into certain aspects of the game. But those people that keep saying, well, they've added a clock to baseball and they've ruined baseball. No, the idea that baseball is a game without a clock is based on the notion that a team cannot win a game by milking out the clock. All right, or using the clock to their advantage. This isn't football where you can run out the clock or basketball where you can manage possessions in the final minute. Uh, this is not hockey or anything like that. All right, the, the, Baseball is still determined by do you get, you know, you, are you winning at the end of the 27 outs? That is, uh, that's what base, that has not changed at all. And I can I, I, I can have other arguments with people over the shift band as well. People that say why'd you have to go and legislate a shift band? Well, because for ten years we've known players cannot just hit the ball the other way. You try hitting a ninety nine mile an hour slide piece, all right, that's coming busting in on your hands as a left handed hitter and try to push that ball to left field. You try to do that, all right? It's it's not something that's easily uh, done so yes I, I I am all on board with the rule changes now come back to me in October we'll see if I still am but I'm I'm all on board right now and I think everybody just has to let this play out the people that are complaining the most right now are the people that flat out don't want to like the rules all right it's not that they don't like them they don't want to like the rules yeah I can completely agree with these rules. It's not like any of the sport with the clock. It does, you can't milk it. It's for the pitcher and the hitter, and you just can't run it out. You have to throw it before the time runs out, or it's a, or it's a ball for you. Well, that, I guess that'll wrap this up, and that'll do it for this edition of the Let the Kids Play Sports Podcast. Are you curious about the current state of the rapidly changing real estate market? For answers, look no further than Brian Linda at Coldwell Banker Bernizer Realtors. We are experienced real estate professionals with over 40 combined years in the industry. We have a finger on the pulse of the market and can help you understand the latest trends and conditions no matter how wild they appear. Right now, we are offering a free, no-strings-attached seller's guide. This guide is packed with valuable tips and insights to help you navigate the selling process with confidence. Contact us today at www.realestatechanged.com or find Get Brian and Linda on Facebook. Remember, for all things real estate, Get Brian and Linda.